We are live, more or less, from Las Vegas. With Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rosen. This is Good Sports. Morning, yeah. Mark. What's happening on this beautiful, but cloudy Thursday day? <laughs> Recovering from the 112-degree wind yesterday. Holy cow. <laughs> It's it's like that wind. I don't know if anybody does the the blow dryer factor that they you know they make a big deal out of it. We you're from Minnesota. You hear the International Falls? It was minus a hundred and four degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! Why would you Why would you be out? You know, once it hits zero, once it hits ten degrees above zero, why don't go out unless you need to? You know. You live up there. You're used to it. Don't go out. I When it's 110 here, I don't go out. I sit here, and the air conditioning is blowing right under my desk here, which is really, really something I have discovered. In, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in my in my situation, Mark, <laughs> an STD is tennis elbow <laughs> or carpal tunnel oh, syndrome. Oh, God, is there a joke it's sitting there? It's an arm there. issue. God, is there a joke sitting there? <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. Well, go ahead. We're on it the just, internet. It's, um, well, it's, it's, it's under your desk, and things seem to come out from well, under that, your desk oh. that I don't want to explain to people. So, Well, that's, well, that's all right. We'll show them now and again. It, uh, it's it's not as it's not as dangerous as it once was so, <laughs> to be in the desk. I just kind of uh, okay. Let's go back to sports. Okay, okay? Uh, back to what were we ever on sports? There's we're this weekend we get NFL football again, and it is a it is until February we have the Super Bowl. And there's not a week going to go by without an NFL game from now until February. Okay? <laughs> you do the math. <laughs> we just had February. <laughs> it was right back there, not very far away. So year-round football creates problems in and of itself, Mark. And uh, injuries are always an issue. When things start, for whatever reason, it always seems like there's one group that is under a black cloud injury-wise. And this year, so far, it looks like it might very well be the wide receivers. And there are they, these guys uh, are, are kind of dropping like flies. Uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, for the Redskins uh, hurt his shoulder, uh, separated his shoulder, will be out a couple weeks. Now, that's good. Okay, you only have to miss a couple weeks. But it changes a guy's attitude. It changes a guy's abilities in some cases because they have to protect that shoulder they don't want it to happen twice and if there's ever a good time for it to happen it would be after you lose your last game or before you do anything where you have enough time to recover or whatever but these kind of things just seem to to uh, occur in groups michael floyd has a knee injury and it, it started out as it well he hurt himself and that now it's now it's one of those things where he's going to be out at least a couple weeks well they don't want to let you miss a couple weeks of training camp they don't have to so the you know these injuries always seem to to occur in bunches for whatever reason sometimes it's the offensive line you know everybody's right tackle will go down uh, at, at one time, and sometimes it's the quarterbacks, and sometimes it's linebackers. Yeah, it just takes a it, football takes a, a pretty good toll on people's bodies if you play long enough. Anyway, so uh, uh, we'll see. It's going to affect a lot of things, Mark. It is one of those. Uh, there are so many variables in football. You know, in in horse racing, when people go to bet on horse racing, Mark. The biggest field that they ever have that I know of, maybe in the Epsom Downs in, in, in England, they, they have more, but is the 20 horses that run in the Kentucky Derby. And how asinine it is to think that you can handicap that race for all the horses. You might pick one American Pharaoh this year. That wasn't that tough to handicap. That horse had shown itself on and on and on. But the rest of them, there was a whole bunch that were very similar. And when you have... When you have 
that many people, that many things involved in something, it just exponentially gets more difficult to handicap. What the hell is going to happen, you know, on a football team? If one guy screws up, it blows. Everybody else can be perfect, and the one guy screw up. Well, when you have 22 guys and six or seven referees and instant play people, instant replay people, and coaches, and, you know, I mean, it's just a very, very and, difficult and, thing and, to say. And, you can and, and. Yeah, you can't, you can't handicap correctly. It's damn near impossible. Do you bet much? Uh, no. Nah. Uh, you know, I think, <laughs> isn't it funny? Where it's almost like the legalization of weed. Now they've taken the, they kind of took the fun out of it. They took the fun out you of know? it, exactly. You were always, you were always kind of tap dancing in the minefield when you were, you know, when I was a kid, when you were smoking weed, you were always, oh, shit, there's Johnny Law. You know, yeah. I mean, it was just one of those things you worried about that. No, it's a cab. Oh, you know, you, you would see lights on top of a vehicle. You puckered up right quick. Now they've totally and completely in Colorado. Everybody's just like, yeah, you know, yeah. so they're finding Brownies. other way out. It's not like they, yeah, it, they, 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 they'll, they'll figure out something but um anyhow with with football season right around the corner mark one of the points that i that that i think we need to make is how you bet is equally as important to as important as what you bet if you're not betting correctly you have no chance of showing a profit at the end of the year and I don't care what anybody says. You can't pick games with that many variables at a rate that, that does not give the house an advantage because they're not paying straight-up odds. In other words, they don't, they don't take $10 on the Raiders and $10 on the Broncos and pay the, pay the winner to 20 bucks. That ain't how it works. No. They, that, that vigorous, that cut takes away any mathematical advantage and gives it to the people that hold them. Hold, all they are is money holders. You know, every once in a while they're involved in a bet, but not very often. They get they get it close enough where they're within that percentage. And okay, today we made we made six percent, and yesterday we made four and a half percent, and it averages out. And they get their percentage. They they hold that vigorous, and it, well, and it works out. So the trick is to take advantage of where they have loopholes or where they have weaknesses, just as in any sporting event that you we bet on teams that do that. So here's here's how that goes, Mark. If you wager a parlay, two individual things have to occur for you to get paid. If only one of them goes, you're you're SOL. So you can go on a three team parlay and you take two early games and you take one late game. You in the, you you separate them. And this works particularly well in Las Vegas because the casinos and the race and sports books are open 24-7, particularly during football season. So now with the internet and all, all that, when you separate your your start times and finish times, when there gives you enough time, when you hit the first two, you can bet back that third game enough to give you an absolute, I can't do any worse than break dead even shot at it. So you only have to hit two out of three to not lose. Not losing is good. <laughs> if you hit that third one, you win. And your percentage, you, you take that percentage back in not losing much more than you make by just winging it and saying, oh, screw it. I won the first two. I sure hope I hit that third one. And it is the, it, I, I credit my friend Duke Knox, God rest him. Uh, who was a, a, a former Navy man, a retired uh, uh, Navy chief, and a uh, uh, hell of a guy. We we ran uh, we, we we ran a, a a tout service, and he was the straightest shooter. Didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground about sports, but he knew how to tell people how to bet, and we showed a profit. And it opened my eyes, Mark, to, oh, my God, you don't have to, you don't have to be a, a, an expert because there is no such thing. Nobody knows what every running back is feeling, who's, who's fighting with whose old lady, who's, you know, I mean, they, 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 nobody knows all those factors for all those people. In a fight, you might know. 
Floyd's not getting along well with Mrs. Floyd. Oh, darn. Okay, that might affect him. Manny Pacquiao's ex took half his money last week. Oh, my, that might affect him. But when you have all the people that are involved in football, it is a damn near impossibility to handicap and handicap at a at a rate that actually overcomes the vigorish. You, you do you follow what I mean on yeah. percentage well, wise? I, yeah, I, I you mean, have to hit a fifty-seven percent rate, which is tough to do. Keep track. Go against what? the go against the spread. You know, at fifty-seven percent, it's very difficult to do. Well, well, it's like um, on our website, GoodSportsMedia.com. I kept up that video that we had for for uh, John, uh, Johnny Arvillo at Win. Johnny Bello, yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's that's why I did it because he he explains it so simply. It's it's basically math, you know. I mean, I mean, you don't 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 need to know who the teams are. You just need to know what what the advantages are and what the disadvantages are. That's right, but Mark, you can do this. That's what Johnny was trying to say. You can do that to bet. There's only two things. There's only two teams. So you got a 50-50 shot with the coin. Okay? You you that's all that's all it is. The time you walk up, the line hasn't changed. Here it is. And the and you say, I, I don't know. Favorite or underdog, flippy coin. Yep. Say so there it is. Heads is favorite, then that's what you take. You have just as good a chance. When you now, do that and you bet parlays, which pay multipliers, they pay more than, you know. You 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 get to you get to a certain point, but when you're alive in a parlay, as long as you played it correctly and you have four game parlays, fourteen parlays, you bet you know three and one. That's all it is, and that's why Monday Night Football gave an edge to to wise guys, to gamblers who you know before before computers and and online gaming and stuff like that. Mark, guys used to search for a line difference to to find. You know, if somebody was at seven, and say Caesar's Palace had their line at seven on uh, on the Raiders, and uh, um, uh, Bally's had the line at six, guys would bet both sides and have that middle. Mm-hmm. If the line was, you know, what I mean, if there was a if there was a way to to hit in and own that middle, they got an advantage, and and guys used to make a living, or at least to try to make a living. Doing that, just searching all over for a middle on a bet. You know, you can't do that anymore because everybody knows. Everybody's line is up online. You you used to pass the line. You would talk into your phone like this. Okay, man, the line on the bucket. You know, you yeah. you just couldn't you you just couldn't mention it. And God forbid you had a phone. I have seen people go out in handcuffs from having their cell phones in a race and sports book before and the law changed and all of a sudden we were at Mandalay Bay when the law changed and it let that it let that information get just shared immediately so it took a real big advantage one of the few advantages that gamblers had was able to shop a line now you can't do that they're all they're all so generic it's like airplane tickets and and, and price of gasoline and all that. there's not a whole hell of a lot of competition out there certainly not enough to make a difference. So anyway, uh, we're going to take a break here. Uh, you are listening to Good Sports. Uh, I'm Rick Rosen with Mark Anthony. We'll be right back after these brief commercial messages. Yeah, well, we'll get one. We'll cut one. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, Clay and I are doing one on Legal Shield. All right. Okay. All right. We're back. Here it is a wonderful Thursday afternoon here in beautiful Las Vegas. Man, if you haven't been here to Las Vegas, folks, you're missing out. You know, safety's always an issue, Mark, in Las Vegas, and they're having the thing about the fire at the at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, boy, you talk about going over something with a fine tooth comb to figure out what went wrong, and it ain't going to happen again here in Las Vegas. I'll tell you that much. Nothing bad. You know, it was material stuff. It was it was crap. It was plastic freaking palm trees, and it made in front of the public and whatever. But if you look at it, nobody was hurt. Nobody died in that fire. Imagine if that fire happened. In any other big municipality, you're from Minnesota. Imagine that in downtown Minneapolis. Yes. The absolute. That happened on the Las Vegas Strip, and it disrupted traffic for a little bit. 
<laughs> Nobody died in the firemen. God bless them. They got, they got lucky, but they were prepared to carry that crap up there to fight that fire, which was burning intensely and putting off very noxious fumes. And they, they were lucky they got to go up in the elevator. <laughs> Man, well, that's because they were right no, under no. it. <laughs> they were right under it. The fire, yeah, but, the, the, the firehouse right. is under, and, under and, the cosmos. Isn't that wonderful planning? You know, everybody bitches about government and whatever, but isn't that damn good planning? Guess what? Where's the biggest number of people? Right there in that big-ass hotel <laughs> and the ones on either side, the one across the street. There's a great deal of people there. Why don't we put the fire department there? Hey, okay, let's work it out. And that's what we do in Las Vegas. That's what we have working for us. And people give them a hard time and talk about them sometimes. But you're talking about Democrats and Republicans working together and got it done, Mark. Nobody took that, you know, I mean, there's always politics because simply because people have to run for office. And you can't just say, here's the good crap that I've done. Look at it, but check it out. You know, you have to you have to say, here's the good crap that I've done, and I screwed up. You know, he was a child molester in a former life. I mean, they say anything and everything, and uh, and so. But but here in Las Vegas, the politics for the most part peaceful enough, um, and, and that we get things done. And we had a fire department in the in the basement in the, in the downstairs. <laughs> Come on up, <laughs> we're. You know, and it's a wonder some of the people on the strip weren't out there. They didn't run to Walgreens right next door or whatever and grab some marshmallows and some hot dogs and start selling them to tourists too. Well, here, 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 here's a funny thing. I don't know if they still do it, but back when I was chauffeuring, in the summertime, the fire department would do an exercise, and it would never be publicized, but everybody knew it. They would the firefighters would run up the stratosphere tower, okay. Oh yeah. They, they would run up that 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 center tower, full gear, all their packs, all their hoses. Mid July, hundred and ten degrees outside. They go in. They would go into that that cement. They'll run all the way to the top, turn around, and run all the way down. For whatever reason, firefighters and women, man, down at the base there, that would be just surrounded by women waiting for the firefighters to come out, all sweaty, all dripping with wet. And some of them would, you know, of course, have to uh, take off their top. So, you know, and I'm talking both firefighters and spectators. So, you know, Vegas makes a sport out of just about everything. Oh, absolutely. Did you say they was carrying their hose up there? Their hose. Their hose. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is an extra. 108 storage, baby. <laughs> wow, that's a long way to carry a hoe. I'll tell you that right now. That's They're hung. A... They're Vegas firefighters. Boy. They're hung. Okay, come on. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> as important as that may be in some instances, I don't believe how well endowed you are really gives you much of an advantage in carrying some, <laughs> some hooker up 108, 108 stories? Holy cow. Ask, um, anyway. ask oh. Mary who she wants to be saved by, you or a Vegas firefighter. Okay? That'll answer wait, it. Wait a minute. Now, now you're, oh, you have, you have gone off into the deep end. <laughs> you are going to end up apologizing to her. First off. Are you insinuating in any way, shape, or form that my girlfriend has some association with being a hooker? That's no. what you, we were Where talking about. Where did you get that from? You, because all of a sudden you said, ask Mary. <laughs> she was some kind of expert on on, on that. And she is, I, I will have you know, good She's sir. a woman. She's a woman. Would She's she rather a, be? She, oh, she is definitely a woman. She, she would rather be saved. <laughs> okay. By a hunky Vegas firefighter or a chunky <laughs> sports announcer. Listen, the bitch is an arsonist because she buys into that theory, okay? So, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> uh, question you from, know, speaking of question that, from the last. Go ahead. From the, um, I was always told on sports betting that that the real professionals bet on the over-under, not on the team. Is that right? 
Uh, not really, Mark. It's okay. a it's a less popular bet, so there's less movement, and and um, when there's it, it, it the 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 point spread is more difficult, I believe, to handicap than the over and the under. Uh, you know when some team's offense, you see them building up, and you know when their offense is clicking, and and it's like watching the matchups for a fight. I a outcome of a close fight's going to go, but I but I know how the fight itself is going to go. I don't know the final decision, win or, or lose, but I know that that, that Hagler and Hearns was going to be a good fight, however long it lasted, and it ebbed and flowed and went back like that. So when you bet the over and the under, they have things. They they move the line from where it figures, Mark to where they figure the public is going to bet. People always get it, say, well, the line makers, the bookies got it wrong. Bookies don't get it wrong. They don't give a rat's ass. They're trying to generate the equal equal amount of money on either side of the bet. They get paid. They, they, if, they if they even that up, man, if they take in a billion dollars on the Super Bowl and it's half a billion to one side and half a billion to the other, they're tickled because they don't have to pay out all the half a billion to the guy that put up half a billion. That's that's just exactly how it is. So bookies are much more reticent to move a line on an over and under anyway. You know, so they move it beforehand, so they don't have to move it up, because then people might get a middle, might land on between. You know, if if it moves too much, say say it comes a line opens up at forty seven and a half for the over and under. And everybody thinks it's going to be over. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the, the running back is going for a million yards, and the receivers can't drop a pass. And the, you know they're just going to do good against this defense who loses their linebacker, whatever it is. And they bet it up, and they bet it up to forty-eight and a half. <clears throat> when they move that now, if it lands at forty-eight, you have the middle, and so the the bookies can get beat from both sides, and then they are in a deal. And so they, you know, that's when that that's when they get caught. So they don't like to move the line. And uh, uh, they're, they're much more reticent to move it because uh, on the line itself, on the game, there's football numbers. You score in ones, twos, threes, sixes. Those are the only points you get in football. Now, you get them in combinations. So mathematically, there are some things that are more apt to hit. It's like a roulette wheel that had 17 on there twice. And, and and didn't have, you know, 37 on there at all because that's a tough number to come up to mathematically. I'm just using those as examples. Yeah. Does that make sense for you? Yes. There is no such thing in over – there is no such thing in over and unders. So the bookies move towards where they know – the public's more, more, more bound to bet overs than they are unders, meaning right off the bat, if the bookie knows you're going to bet the over anyway and it figures at 48 – why would I start it at 48? You're going to move it to 48 or 49. I mean, you're going to move it to 48 and a half or 49 anyway. So I make it that to start with. So the value actually is on the under. You're getting a free point. If you go to a bookie and want to buy a point, which you can do at the race and sports books, it costs you more to make your wager or you win less. Either way, it figures out exact same mathematically. You can buy a point. They will give you the point if you'll just bet on the under. And the good thing about an under is it is always a winner in your hand until it's beaten. An over is never a winner until it's made. So you're you're hoping to, you know, when you got an under, they have to take the money out of your hand for you to lose. By, by going, but, but so your value, you're getting an extra point or thereabouts just on the get-go on the overs and unders. So I don't know if I answered your question, Mark, but that's, that's the, the why people bet and, they, and, and wise guys do bet overs and unders at a greater rate, but they also bet on the outcomes of games. They just cover both, both sides. You know, again, it's, yeah. it's math. That's yeah. all it is is just math. As a bookie, as a former bookie, and I was with Bobby the Owl yesterday, who had been our line mover, the guy who used to make the basketball line at the at the uh, Stardust when the Stardust was the epicenter of gambling out here. And uh, Bobby the Owl's a great guy, 
<laughs> and we, we, you know, we, you always, t- it's, it's so cool to talk football with somebody that's not an X's and O's kind of football, but it's a gambling thing. We're in Las Vegas and it, it is, it is that fascinating education that you get from Bobby. And, and the, we would talk about how he absolutely hated <laughs> to move the line, dude. He would rather pull his toenails out with pliers than move that frickin' line. Knowing that, okay, that's, you know, we're leaving, we're giving some, something back to somebody else. So in, uh, in, in wagering, like I say, Mark, how you wager is equally important as what you wager. People put, people put so much, did you bet on the, on the super, on the, uh, on the Super Bowl this year or on the Kentucky Derby? Not, uh, not, not this year, but I did last year. You have, Okay. Neither of them make sense. You get no. the exact same odds on the horses because the take it's a paramutual pool. So all that's bet is dispersed. It's like it's like everybody sells their stock all at once and you get it back, or you buy stock all at once and so many people buy stock in companies that fold. That's the loser. That's the seven horse out there in the in the pasture. So <laughs> anyway, in his owning stock and nothing changes there. You get the exact of the pool is dispersed to people that own tickets so that's how they figured the odds that way in sports gambling nothing changes nothing changes it pays 11 to 10 the the 13 to 5 on the parlays to team or the you know, 6 to 1 they go up everything is exactly the same so where you don't have variables you're more likely to score you're more likely to hit so the big thing is eliminating variables is a very good thing you can do and when you can get your wager to be no worse than a break even imagine any every time you've walked into a to a to a a, a casino and you said man if i could guarantee that I would break, do no worse than break even and see the half the cocktail's little butt cheek as she goes by with my cold beer, you know, uh, I've had a great night. Think how awesome that would be. And you tell people, hey, listen, I can make sure you break even. Bet a three-teamer. At least if you, if you just hit two of the three, you're good. Hit them first two, I got you the third one, and you're, I guarantee you're not going to lose any money. And people tend to n- neglect that. And it's, uh, it's one of the reasons why bookies drive new cars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we have a big advantage. It really is. People screw themselves. They'll bet against themselves. You know, uh, the the historic thing is, like I say, Bobby didn't like to move the line, but we always knew that, that our wagers, our gamblers, were going to bet uh, the favorite and the over much more <laughs> than they were going to bet the, the underdog and the under. And... Sitting next to Bobby and, and watching him do what he did, and and I got to, I was very fortunate to get to learn from him how to move the line and, and why we do what we do, and um, and that's what Johnny Avella was. Uh, our friend Johnny Avella was at Bally's, and that's what he did for Lenny Del Genio and Bob Gregorka there uh, at, at Bally's. And so there's a common there's a common bond there, and I can kind of talk that language with them. But uh, uh, we would know what the, what parlay was they were not going to bet and and bobby would move the line if he saw parlays coming in on a particular combination that's when he would move and he would move them simultaneously we would move both the over and the team up even though we were just you know what i mean you don't you don't track what you're getting in parlays so much mark as you do okay the you know we've got to we're ten thousand in the hole on texas we need to move texas up uh, or we need to move Texas down so we get more action on Texas to, to even things up. So when you move things in conjunction with one another, it's kind of a, 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 a hybrid move for for a bookmaker, for a line mover, but it was fascinating to watch, and that's exactly how these things work. The public, the public bets more on the over and the favorite, so your value is on the under and the, the underdog from the get-go. And sometimes people don't people don't really well, you know let's take a let's take a short break when we come back Mark I, I want to talk a little bit about how on two team parlays in the upcoming football season things uh, things figure to, to to run as a quinella so we're going to take a short break uh, you're listening to Good Sports we'll be right back all righty we're back I'm Rick Rosen with Mark Anthony this is Good Sports we're here in Las Vegas. 
beautiful day out. Uh, when we left, Mark, I said we, we talk a little bit about the the makeup of a of a two team parlay. Uh, okay. And okay. Okay. It is before, simply think, okay. Before we ahead. dig into that. All right. The the atypical better the general public yeah. better that walks into the win and says, I want to put $100 down on the Patriots. They're okay. taking, their thinking is, is okay, the other team has this injury, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened, and so I'm going to bet on the Patriots. Okay. In reality, that line is set based upon how much money is coming in. It, it, the injury list doesn't have that much of a of an effect on the actual line, correct? Am I am I in the right frame of thinking here? Well, again, Mark, people people give it more weight than it actually deserves, unless it's an absolute. You know, again, like I say today, everybody's in training camp and they're playing the game this week, and now it's when it starts counting. I'm watching; they're showing the the Giants and Eli Manning back there. Well, if it's Eli Manning, yeah, it's going to change the line. If it's Jason Pierre-Paul who's missing now one finger on his hand, then people are going to give that more more weight than it deserves. There are so many other factors, including the other 21 guys out there. Is your is your quarterback more important than the center if your next guy can't get him the ball? You know what I mean? So different things happen in football, Mark. But but injury list I think probably gets more weight than it deserves. Everybody's banged up. The end of the season, you know, sixteen games, uh, four games in, in in training camp and all of training camp and all the wear and tear that you go through in the season itself, and then and then practice. Some teams don't even don't even uh, hit. In in practice, on you know when when they're in the season, they and so it's tough to to do that many physical things over and over, physically violent things over and over and over and over, and not everybody have some kind of uh, you know ache or pain, and some guys get to that level where they can't take it anymore, or something actually gives away on their bar on their body. And that puts him out for a while. So, yeah, and the next guy, you know, I mean, the, the, that, that next guy in line's a pro, too. That was Steve Young sitting behind Joe Montana. I mean, they, that, that was, that was uh, uh, Babe Ruth that took uh, took George Hallis' place with the Yankees in the outfield. Uh, you know, uh, so you never know. That was Tom Brady. who was the third-string frickin' quarterback for the Patriots when Drew Bledsoe goes down. And uh, I forget even who was saying next in line. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady here. Uh, what's your name, kid? Come here. You, the tall guy with the good-looking babe. Come here. Hey, can you throw this? You know, yeah. And uh, the rest of they say is history. So you never know. They they put they put way too much emphasis on it. I think, Mark. You know, the next guy. Sometimes all they need is a is a chance to display their talents. And you know, I mean, you. The Detroit Lions. Jeff Belknap is a huge Lions fan. Uh, you know they they've got the Vegas Lions. You think about the the running backs that have been there, and you've you know oh my God, Steve Owens. Yeah, you you go on, you got yeah bad Billy Sims from Oklahoma. And all of a sudden you end up with Barry Sanders. Yeah, yeah I mean you're talking about the the, the 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 Hall of Fame. There's the that should be the greeters there saying this is our this is our Hall of Fame. You know, and they, but they you never know who the next guy is, and it might be somebody that just didn't get their just didn't get their chance because they were behind somebody great too. And they so there's great guys sitting on the bench. There's great guys that have wasted an absolute career because they were on the wrong team. Free agency has. Has afforded guys. It has worked for for damn near everybody. You look at the popularity of football, and you know it was like the it, it was like the the people. The sky is falling. Obama's president. The sky is falling. The stock market's going to be uh, right there under whale crap, you know, on the bottom of the ocean. And blah, blah. so some things don't don't occur like that. So sometimes they they think, oh, it's the it's the end of the world if this happens or that happens. And football football teams are very apt to do that, you know. Oh dear God! We can't let this one guy go. We can't let this one thing. Yeah, you can. And free agency has given guys a chance to get themselves into a situation where they can play. 
Money's great. They always mention the money. Well, he's leaving $4 million on the table. Yeah, but wouldn't you give $4 million to go where you're happy? You've got you've got ten million or twenty million or whatever. Why do you need another four million? Now guys guys are making enough money they are set for life. And so they, they get a chance to kind of pick and choose where they want to play. You look at LeBron James in basketball. By the way, basketball USA coming in uh, this next week. Mark uh, on the eleventh through the thirteenth. Uh the, the the game at the Thomas and Mac, seven thirty on the thirteenth, and it ought to be you, it's going to be just like the All-Star game is. There, there we go. You see some of these guys on Basketball USA, Mark. They're all, you know, every last one of them is a former college All-Star if they went to college or a high school great that's the next phenom that now come to the NBA. And then they, we see them just, it's not, the, it's not the All-Star game where it's 176 to 173 in a defensive battle. Right. It's a, you know what I mean? These guys are out there playing basketball. And it's so amazing for us to get to watch that. We, you know, you get to you get to hang with Mike Shashevsky, uh, head coach Mike Shashevsky, and the gang there, and all the coaches, and they, it's just this basketball thing. I mean, I feel like there's, you know, if they if people really watch down from heaven, you know, at any given time, James Naismith is looking down on that practice there at the Thomas and Mac here next week and saying, yeah, I done good. It's going to be the greatest collection of, of basketball talent any place on earth is going to be next week at the Thomas and Mac, uh, 11th through the 13th, USA Basketball. And if you've never been there before, you can come in and watch these guys practice. I think they let us in, what, the last half hour or something like that, Mark? Yeah. And if you just want autographs and stuff like that, they uh, wait, wait at the side of the Mendenhall Center there and uh, – uh, between two and three in the afternoon, the practice is in to two. Some guys get out there and get on the bus and sit there with their headsets on. Some guys uh, play, do whatever they do inside, and and make their way out and sign autographs and do the do the fun thing. Now this this is a team that's uh, pretty much going to represent us at the Olympics in Brazil, unless Mark Cuban gets his way, and uh, you know he doesn't want the pros playing anymore. And I don't know they're going to make some resolution out of it, dude, but. Really a tough thing this year. Paul George goes down in a very grisly incident with the USA basketball the last time they were here, Mark. And everybody said, look at the injuries and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but look at the guys that won the, won the championship. Clay Thompson and uh, Stephen Curry were, were on the team. Uh, look who they played against. Well, like they had to get past uh, James Harden and Houston to get there. Who was on the other side? Well, let's see. Kyrie Irving was there. Yeah, but he did get injured. Kevin Love was supposed to be there, but because of the trade and all that stuff, he didn't. You know what I mean? So there were some guys that I think got very, very good basketball education by playing on Basketball USA, and there are some guys that, that – that, Got hurt physically doing that. Uh, um, so I mean, uh, do you take you roll the dice and take your chances? It could be a career-ending injury at any time you play. But any time these guys play at that yes. level, there's a chance for a career-ending injury because it takes supreme athletic effort, outstanding effort, to hang at that level. And sometimes they put their bodies; uh, they do more to their bodies than their bodies can take. But, at this, you know, it's not like they're but, playing on uh, at the at Sandlot or down there in the parking lot of the church. They're playing. This is NBA on steroids, and not. I mean, and I do not insinuate that they're on steroids. This is this is in. <laughs> yeah, let's watch this that is, word. This is high def. Yeah, how about high def NBA? There we go. You know, there I don't know that it gets. I I but, don't know that it gets any more basketball better than this. But what I liked about the last one, the last basketball. USA that I attended is to watch these guys who normally are playing against each other. It is literally just kind of like a pickup game in oh, yeah. in the warm-ups that we saw. You know, yeah. the the, the friendship that yeah, oh god, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, but it was just 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 yeah. this big pickup game with such great talent. They, you know, you know, it, it wasn't a rivalry. It was friendship, and you know, they were helping each other out. It was just a really cool thing to watch them play together. Absolutely, and watch and watch that 
competitiveness come out of there. You know, uh, one of the oh, things. Yeah. And I've been fortunate to do this for you, just like you have. We've done this for a long time. But one of the most lasting images, a couple of the things that and I'll, I know you have the photos, but I'll make sure you get them. Derek Rose was coming off the two years of knee injuries, whatever, and Steph Curry in the first 30 seconds of the first frickin' scrimmage on the first day of training camp, they dove for a loose basketball. What that means to me is, oh my God, I am seeing something incredibly special competitive-wise. How much more competitive do you get than Stephen Curry and Derek Rose diving and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've seen it all. Then <laughs> Kenneth Ferried, the, the, uh, the guy with the, the, all the dreads that plays for the Denver Nuggets that is an absolute rebounding machine, he, he plays basketball hard, and he's going to be he's a rising superstar. And DeMarcus Cousins, the guy that George Carl doesn't get along with, uh, played for John Calipari, um, uh, <laughs> Kenneth Ferried reached his hand out to... DeMarcus Cousins just to lay his hand on top of DeMarcus Cousins' shoulder to keep in contact with him down under the basket. And DeMarcus Cousins threw an L and Ronda Rousey cringe. Oh, oh my God, and knocked Ferry's arm off of him. And I'm looking like, wow, did he not see that that was just his teammate? Did he think, you know? And Ferry now puts his just fingertips on DeMarcus Cousins' shoulder. And DeMarcus Cousins didn't like that any better. Blam! And he knocked it off again with an elbow that would have decapitated Ferry if he'd hit him with it in the head. And Kenneth Ferry then decided, I'm not going to put my arm, my hand, on DeMarcus Cousins' shoulder anymore. The play went on, and I never saw it happen again. But you're talking about, an, these are teammates. These are guys that haven't been in the league long enough. They haven't been playing basketball against one another long enough to develop that kind of hatred. You know, I mean, it, it, it was amazing to see, Mark. It always is amazing. You see the guys working out. Yes. You know, afterwards, well, we stuck around and saw Kevin Durant and James Harden and Paul George playing one-on-one basketball. You said about a pickup game. It don't get more, no more pickup awesome than that. And that Who else would you have been there? Michael Jordan and Dr. J and, and LeBron James? Them, I mean, and, you know, and then to watch them interact with, with each other because they've known each other since high school yeah. days, basically. You know, yeah. you know, and again, going back to that pickup mentality, I mean, they were talking smack about each other, which is just absolutely... Oh, yeah. You know, watching these multi-million dollar yeah. professional players talk bad about the other player's mama. You know, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, and everyone just laughing about it. Yeah. Still getting... Yep. Good. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, they, they were playing this 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 one on one winner stays basketball uh, uh, three on uh, well three three man basketball one on one winner stays. And Kevin Durant, I got to tell you, I don't know. I I find it difficult to believe there's ever been a package of basketball player as unique as Kevin Durant. He is so long and gangly. Reminds me of a daddy long legs, and. His steps are so quick for a man that big to get by bigger people that, that, that they put on him defensively. That's no problem for him at all. He just smokes them. And when there's a smaller guy on him, he has such a devastating shooting range of 15 to 18 feet that they have no chance of doing anything but fouling him, and, and he doesn't scare. The ball is much above anybody that's quick enough to stay with him speed-wise. And it's amazing to watch how dominant he could be. And then James Harden, who plays basketball about as well as a guard can play basketball, now with Houston, who <laughs> just absolutely did everything he could do defensively to keep Kevin Durant outside. At least maybe he'll miss the jumper because he doesn't miss those where he sticks his arm through the basket before he releases the ball. So you want to force him to take jumpers, but he's just so deadly. And then you think about Paul George and and Kevin Durant uh, when when it was Harden's turn with the ball. He drove, and Kevin Durant fouled him, but blocked the shot, and actually blocked the shot before the foul. I'm not sure whether it whether it 
I don't think it would have it, it would have been called a foul in the NBA, but playground wise, I don't think it had any effect. I think he blocked the ball before he made the foul. He was going to block it anyhow. So anyhow, he says uh, uh, that, that wasn't shit. <laughs> and as Harden walked by, and Harden said something back and forth to him. So as Harden walked by the by by the end line, I said I thought it was shit, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> and Harden turned and laughed, and and he said, "Yeah, man, he thought it was shit." And you know, it was just you're right, Mark. And it was so much fun to join into that conversation, to join into that little bit of you know. I did not have to do anything well, to Kevin Durant. I got to talk trash to him on a basketball court. So well, that, it was cool. But yeah, if you, you know, like. You know, I mean, both of us are under eight feet tall, and these guys are like eight, eight, eight ten. <laughs> you know, they would see these giants. <laughs> Those are the guards. Uh, yeah. God. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but for the fans, you know, this is about as close as they can get to them in a. Oh my goodness. In, in a relaxed atmosphere, so it's really cool for yeah. for fans to to you know to show up for this and and. You know, it's not so yep. guarded. It's not so so tightly managed as an NBA game is. So, you know, if you're wanting yeah. to get up up close and personal with with the players, here it is. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And it's uh, and we they will are, have the links on the website. We will have the links on the, the website. Of, of, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, um, uh, I guess uh, uh, Mark, uh, we we want to kind of round it up. Um, Rowdy Ronda and, and uh, you know Roddy Piper, <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper, passed away at sixty-one of a heart attack. What an entertaining man! What a guy he was. I do not, I do not say wrestling is a sport. I say wrestling has many athletes that are involved that that perform, but it is not a sport because sports, no. the the ultimate definition of sports, it has to contain. We don't know the outcome until it until it occurs. It, right. it can't be pre okay preordained, and that's how wrestling is. So they, uh, but the athletic uh, skills that are displayed and all those kind of things are real. And Rowdy Roddy Piper was a groundbreaker. He was the bad guy, and, and uh, he and Hulk Hogan had some uh, you know some of the most priceless entertainment moments that there ever were in their long, long time feud. By the way. But but we want to we we want to say goodbye to Rowdy Piper Rowdy Rowdy Piper. By the way, I don't know if you can see this, Mark. Let me see how I can do this. Okay, got it up there. I'll have I'll have to send you this file. Okay, this is this is some of the. You know, we talk about this guy and that guy and whatever and who does this and and, and does that. <laughs> we got we got Doctor J on here. <laughs> We we got Shirley Muldowney on her last run, her next to last run of her storied career. We got Greg Ray winning, holding a little kid from a Make a Wish, and, and and his son, and he had the picture of his boy there. We got Layla Lee. We got Mike Tyson. Here's here's uh uh uh, uh Rockman and Floyd Mayweather with my with my kid, uh, my son Tyler, George Farmer with my son Delaney, Benito Santiago with my son Jim. I'm so fortunate, Mark, to be able to do those kind of things. To I had three sons, and I got to take each one of them with me to do to do something. And it is really cool to be to be able to do all the things that God has given me the ability or the the blessed me with, be able to see and to record and talk about and and have fun and and do things like we do on this show. One of the coolest, most awesome things I've seen is Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is a good looking. Not, uh, not that she stands out as such uh, here in Las Vegas or anywhere. She is a, I think most all women are beautiful women. Ronda Rousey has a judo background that no one that I know of has in mixed martial arts and especially in the women's side. And it's going to take so long for someone to get to where Ronda is judo-wise. And as an old judoka, I'm telling you this, I, I guarantee you this is the truth. You can't advance. You it, Judo is not a sport learned quickly. It is a sport that you start as a child, just like Canadians learn to skate. 
That they're always proud of that. I, I skated before I could walk. Okay, then they become good hockey players and good ice skaters and good dancers and good, uh, you know, whatever it is. When they're on the ice, they feel comfortable. Judoka, when they start so early, they're so proficient at the basics that it takes you X amount of time to learn and to practice. Nobody's going to be able to do to catch up with Ronda judo wise before she's done, before she quits. And that's the only answer to Ronda's. That's the only chink in her armor would be that somebody else can out judo her because as it now stands people in mixed martial arts cannot use their striking to attack her because they are in incredible jeopardy of having something done to them judo wise which is the absolute reason for judo you're bigger than me you come to do something to me i respond with physics and i do it in in such a way that you give up. You can tap. We do the honorable thing. So <laughs> Rhonda does the honorable thing. She throws you on your ass, and she bends your arm the wrong direction, and you say stop. Now Rhonda Rousey has added striking to her arsenal. And Rhonda Rousey striking wow. is almost unfair. <laughs> it's like, I'm I just saw the video. You, I don't know. Yeah, you know, Judo is is a, a, a sport where it's the grappling part. It's the wrestling part of MMA. It's very similar. When they get down on the mat and there's that control and everything, judo has that too. There are two different disciplines of judo. They And they're both connected. And when you're a kid, they teach you both. But there's mat technique and there's standing technique. So you get both of those things. Now to think that Rhonda's working on striking, she's not going to forget them other two things in judo. <laughs> now that she can get you, how do you start an offense against Rhonda without being in jeopardy? Now, not only are you in jeopardy of getting thrown on your ass and getting your arm twisted up like a pretzel, now she's going to break your jaw too. And we have both seen Cyborg the last time I saw her. Uh, um, she fought a lady named Justine, and I'll think of her last name, down on Fremont Street, yep. outside of the D. And uh, the, the lady was, had come from France. I, Justine, I'll, I'll think of her last name, had come from France and took the fight on, I believe, two weeks' notice or thereabouts, yes, whatever happened was. to Cyborg's opponent. And yeah, Christine knew that. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Cyborg knew that this was uh, th- this was not somebody that was ready to take her on. I mean, she is world class uh, in the number of number of women in that weight class. Uh, Christine Cyborg is uh, top notch. She's uh, she she's up there. She's not in she's not in Ronda Rousey's damn neighborhood. Ronda lives in a gated community, you know, uh, <laughs> and and she's she's at the front of the gate. And there's just no comparison. What Cyborg has to do to defeat Ronda means almost absolute positive certain defeat for her before she can complete her mission. It is really mission impossible. There's absolutely... Misha Tate and Christine Cyborg could tag team, double team, do whatever they want team to Ronda Rousey and all they'd get for their for their trouble mark is a trip to the ER. They could share the ambulance ride. You know, <laughs> sure and tip the tip, tip, tip the driver on the way. That's all they would get. This is not a... We, we have not seen anybody so fundamentally change a sport. I, I don't believe Tiger Woods certainly did a did a pretty good, good job of it with golf. Um... Michael Jordan did a, a a really good job of that with basketball to some extent. Um, you run out of people pretty quickly, Mark. <laughs> I don't know that Michael Phelps changed swimming. He he dominated so much, but to actually fundamentally change. You know, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing basketball at UCLA as Lou Alcindor, they outlawed the dunk. The NCAA, you could not dunk a basketball. That's where David Thompson... And Monty Tao, uh, North Carolina State, had the alley-oop. He'd throw the ball up there, and you could catch it and let it go. And David Thompson was your height, if if that much, Mark. And he could jump and get something up off the, the, the top of the backboard. David Thompson, they called him Luke Sky, or, uh, David Skywalker. And uh, 
I played with the Denver Nuggets. But you get those people that change me, Dr. J and and the Air and Connie Hawkins. There's always somebody before. There's been nobody before Ronda Rousey that has done this. She is the absolute fundamentally changing her sport. It's going to open the eye, the guy's eyes. One thing that the guys have that the women don't is that one punch knockout power that's available to even the lightweights. The gloves aren't as freaking padded. So when guys get hit, they get more of that concussion, that, that, that energy of that one punch than they do in the repetitiveness of, of punches in boxing. It takes so, generally takes so many, unless it's just a perfectly planted punch. In the MMA, it doesn't take as many. Then guys have that power. So that's the one thing that I think keeps it from being a totally judo-dominated sport as it, it plays into the hands of judoka. And and Ronda Rousey has exposed that part of the sport, and I don't think she's going to give it up anytime soon. And I don't think there's anybody that can that can catch up with her before she's gone because they will have to be a, a real judo master with the Olympics coming up in 2016. Keep your eyes on, on the, the women's uh, judo uh, competition because you're going to see somebody get on the real fast track to try it's not going to be somebody that comes from any it's not going to be the women boxers it's not going to be anything other than somebody that can that can that can deal with her judo and her jujitsu so uh, Ronda Rousey absolutely a, a, a one of a kind and to watch what she's doing uh, and to think that she's added to that arsenal mark is just scary this is, I, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no coaching against that. There's no, well, what do you tell someone? Pull a gun. <laughs> when, when, she, when she ain't looking, I'll get her with this, I'll get her with this Karari blow dart. You know, I, your only shot. You got, you know, uh, so anyway, right. and I think she's right. gonna, I, one of the things that I think is going to hurry, hurry her exit before I before we leave, Mark, one of the things that I believe is going to hurry her exit is what hurried Mike Tyson's demise in that people are not going to pay out big money pay-per-view, and that's where the money comes from in, in, in MMA is the pay-per-view stuff. Uh, they're not going to pay out the big money uh, pay-per-view-wise to watch a one-minute fight. That's what happened to Mike Tyson. They, they, they want to see you beat the crap out of somebody. They don't want to see you just hit somebody one time and knock them out. They didn't get the joy of that. We want that, we want that extended BDSM moment, you know? Uh, we, we want it to be a, like a, a full-length movie. And, and so yeah, people will get yeah, tired of showing out 50, 50 you know, to 100 bucks for one minute. Yeah, but MMA as a sport is a very quick sport, though. Yeah, it can be, but 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 again, it's an entertainment thing, and people True. and people are not as entertained. It just you, you didn't care, and there's it's not like the the play the her division in particular is overflowing with talent. Yes. and to watch some tomato can get up there and get the crap knocked out of her is just going to lose its. Eh, okay, I seen that already. What else is on TV now? You know, so I think that might be a limiting factor. I think we're going to see Rhonda in movies. Uh, she got her start with Tough Enough. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, as did Misha Tate, it's going to be, uh, you know, Misha's gone uh, deep into the fight with Ronda a couple times. I don't know if that's completely out of out of respect or, or style. They say styles make fights, Mark. And, uh, you know, that's uh, but third, uh, maybe third time's a charm. I don't know. I, I, I have not seen anything. Misha's not getting any younger. Uh, uh, I I don't I don't see anything, and I certainly don't think Christine Cyborg is even in the in the realm of oh what can she do? I do I don't think she can lay a glove on Ronda Rousey, uh, or, or or throw a punch. I mean throw a kick that will not result in a, in an immediate uh-oh, uh oh fights over moment. So I guess we'll see. We'll find out. So anyway, Mark, uh, is that it for you? But That's we're going to do That's basketball USA and. Uh, and we got photos to put up and stuff like that. So, all right. Well, folks, we uh, we do appreciate you uh, uh, listening. Hope you learned something. Uh, bet the NFL right, and you'll you'll make a few bucks. Yeah. Uh, come check out our our uh, Olympic basketball team uh, before they go to the Olympics next year in Rio. Less three hundred and sixty four days, man. I hope they cl- clean the cl- clean, <laughs> clean the toilet the- there, <laughs> the ocean off of Rio. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't it scare you a little bit that there's an allowable amount wow. of excrement, human excrement that can be in the water and it's still okay with someone? We did what? 
<laughs> How about we have the people crap over there downstream or something? No, have a no crapping zone. That's what we need for the Olympics. That's what oh. those five rings are, man. Those yeah. are toilet seats. <laughs> All right, buddy. Are you bribed for this? Come on. GoodSportsMedia.com. GoodSportsMedia.com. And we also want to thank Lars Larson. Uh, uh, our, our, our guest. All right. Uh, for all of us here, for Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rosen. Thanks for listening to Good Sports. We'll talk to you next week. Stay Bye. safe. Bye-bye. <laughs>